if you would please join with me as we say Psalm 23, the Psalm of David, the Psalm of our childhood. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And we continue on with John 21, verses 1 through 19. The second part of our sermon series this week. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called this twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. And they, they said to him, we, we will go with you. And they went out and got into a boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you no fish, have you? They answered him, no. And he said, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught, so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. A second time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said this to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, 
Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to Peter, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The first, uh, first fundamental truth, the first fundamental truth about spiritual nutrition that we spoke about last week to Jesus, his flock, his, his sheep, his, his, his lambs, we are of the utmost importance. Here, here, the second, here the second fundamental truth about spiritual nutrition is that food is essential. But what food? Now we know that Jesus is the shepherd and, and we are his sheep. And we are uh, familiar, if we grew up in the church, with the word shepherd. The problem is, is that we, we live here in the city in the United States of America. So we don't really understand the concept of sheep. How many of you are sheep herders? That's what I thought. The concept of sheep from a biblical perspective is a little difficult, a little different for us to understand. To be called a sheep was not flattering. Okay, the Bible doesn't place sheep in the best light. Do you know what, did you know that? When the Bible wants to talk, talk about our proneness to wander from God, it doesn't say, you know, we've all gone astray. No, it says, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. Because that's what sheep do. Sheep wander. They go astray. It's part of their nature. They require constant oversight. The existence of sheep is evidence against the theory of evolution. It is. There's just no way, no way that sheep could have survived that process without shepherds. You know, it's all about the survival of the fittest. Sheep are not strong. They are not vicious. Sheep die without a shepherd. Have you ever seen a football team use a sheep as a mascot? Ah, the Tampa Bay sheep. The Jacksonville lambs. Sends shivers down your spine, doesn't it? It's, it's not like it's the Los Angeles Rams. It's the Los Angeles Rams. Have you ever seen a sign that says, Beware of a lamb. Like it's my guard sheep? No, they're, they're, these are not strong creatures. These are not strong creatures. They can be easily overcome. And they are very, very, very timid and they don't find their own way. They're not like 
kittens or cats or dogs, they, they can navigate and find out how to get home. And you hear stories all the time of them finding their way home over hundreds and hundreds of miles. Once sheep are lost, they're lost. They are lost, and it requires a shepherd to bring them back. So they require lots of care, and they can't survive without a shepherd. And this is where Jesus comes in. This is where Jesus comes in. He is the good shepherd. And that's what David was just talking about in Psalm 23, who was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. It's what he meant when he, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I know who I am. I'm a sheep. But I have a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If you're familiar with the book that became a series of books called Chicken Soup for the Soul, you, you know that series? Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. It, it's, it's about real-life stories and inspirational stories. Well, there's this one story, this one story in one of the books by, by Eric Butterworth, and it's a real-life story, folks. It's a real-life story. It's a story about uh, a professor, a professor of sociology, and he commissioned his whole class, his whole class, to go into the slums of Baltimore, Maryland and get the case histories of 200 young boys. The students in the class had then to write an evaluation predicting the future of those 200 boys from the slums. Without exception, without exception, Every single student said that there was absolutely no chance for those boys to succeed. He hasn't got a chance. And all of them were consigned to a hopeless future by a sociology class. 25 years later, another professor at the same school heard about that study, found it. And then he commissioned his students to follow up on the 200 students from the slums, now grown up. Now they're men. 25 years later, they made an amazing discovery. Except for 20 of those boys who had either died or moved away, 176 of the 180, 176 of the 180, achieved more than average success. They became lawyers. They became doctors. They became businessmen and educators. You name it, they were professionals. The professor, professor was absolutely astounded that 200 kids from, from the slums of Baltimore had that kind of success. So they asked each one of the students, he asked each one of the students to go back and find out how do you account for each one of those boys' success. And they came back and answered the question. One by one, the reply of every student was this, well, there was this one teacher. This one teacher. 
So the students went out and found that teacher. She was still alive and she was, you know, flattered and, and smiling. There was a twinkle in her eyes and, and they said, okay, ma'am, ma'am, so share us, share with us your magic formula. What did you do? What did you say? She said, well, well, it's really very simple. I loved those boys. I loved those boys. And the moral of the story is that their success was based on the love of a teacher. The love of a teacher. Listen, the secret to success over the last 2,000 years of the flock of Jesus Christ isn't that we are such an amazing flock. No, but we have such an amazing shepherd who has committed his love to us. The first principle is Jesus laid down his life for us and he is committed to us. He is our shepherd and he loves us. And here's what you've got to know, something else. And I, and I tell you, I've never saw it until this week when I was studying this section of scripture. Peter, the, the apostle, Peter, the great apostle, is brokenhearted over his failure. He is preoccupied with thinking about how he blew it. Can't you just hear the voice inside his head? I failed Jesus Christ. I failed the Son of God. I let him down. On the other hand, Jesus, Jesus' primary thought, though he was going to restore Peter, is his primary thought is the flock, his sheep, his people. In restoring Peter the way he restored Peter back to usefulness is by getting Peter to stop thinking about Peter, to stop thinking about himself and start thinking about others. And I see a principle here. Although Jesus asks the question, do you love me three times, it's the love of Jesus that transforms. It transformed Peter. It transformed the disciples. It transforms us. Notice that Jesus said, feed my lambs, and then in verse 16, tend my sheep, and then a third, feed my sheep. And why are there differences in the words? Well, the first word is based on the word bosco. Bosco in Greek. And it means to pasture, pasture a flock. To take them out to eat. To take them out to the pasture, to feed them. The second word for tend is the word pomoyo, pomoyo, which means not to pasture, but to pastor them, to shepherd them, to care for them, and to feed them. Now the third time he uses it, he goes back to the first word, bosco, which means feed. So no matter how you look at it, it's feed, feed, feed. I'm going to make this really profound statement. 
not really, but, but if Jesus tells some dude three times, do something, he must want it to happen. If he, if he says, feed them, feed them, and feed them, I surmise from that Jesus wants his sheep to be fed. Jesus actually leads his sheep out to the pasture. John chapter 10, I take them out, I bring them in, he said. I take them out to the pasture. I bring them in at night for protection. David in Psalm 23, when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, he said, he leads me to green pastures. It's all about the food from the shepherd. The first fundamental truth about nutrition that we spoke about last week to Jesus, his flock, his sheep, his lambs, we are the utmost importance. Here's the second fundamental truth about spiritual nutrition. Food is essential. It's the shepherd's job to get food for the sheep. It's their task. It's their job. Now, now take that and move that motif to the physical world, to the spiritual world. It's all about what you eat. You are what you eat. Sheep need food. In my marketing class at Dartmouth, the professor had us do a study on dog food. Dog food. There, there was this guy, the sales director for the dog food brand, Kennel Ration. Do you remember that dog food brand? Now, now, they had a convention for their dog food brand, probably in Las Vegas. And so there was this convention of dog food salespeople in this huge room. And this director stood up and he's pumping up the crowd. And, and, so, and so you get this picture, right? Right? I'm the guy. All right? I'm the sales director for Kennel Ration Dog Food. And you're in charge of getting Kennel Ration Dog Food to all of the homes in America. So I stand there, I stand there, I go up there, and I say, this, what's the best dog food in America? And you say, great. And that makes sense, right? And then he said, then why aren't we selling more dog food? than anybody else. Why are we selling more dog food than anybody else? There's this hush over the room. And finally, one of the salespeople stood up and shouted across the crowd, Sir, the dogs don't like it. The dogs don't like it. Amazing wisdom, isn't it? Dogs don't like it. I saw, I saw that 80% of the churches, I saw this in, in the New York Times here just a, uh, a few days ago, I saw that 80% of the churches in America have plateaued or on the decline. In fact, the church that I did my student pastoring at and my first assistant pastoring is going to close in just three days. It was the largest church, largest church built in the city of Philadelphia. It was the largest church in America in 1930. It's closing. It's about twice as big as this sanctuary. 
80% of the churches in America have plateaued or are on the decline. How can that be? Why is that? Isn't Jesus Christ awesome? Isn't Jesus Christ awesome? Is the word of God not powerful to transform us? Why is that? Fact is, why do these churches not survive? Because the dogs don't like it. Here's what I've discovered. God's flock wants food. They want to be fed. Y'all want to be fed. They want to hear from God when God's flock gets together. They yearn for love. They yearn for love. They don't want to hear somebody's opinion. They want to hear what the Word of God has to say about issues in their life. The main task of a pastor is to be a spiritual chef. A spiritual chef. Yes, Lily, even pastors are chefs. Spiritual chef is to prepare meals for spiritual meals. I, I believe that the meal that we as Christians need to prepare is the meal, the meal of love. And we need to be chefs of love. To be chefs of love takes time, it takes energy, and it takes diligence. I remember my mom growing up, she said, I slave over the hot stove for you kids all day long. And I was the oldest of, of four kids, and we had big appetites, especially my brother and I. And, he, and she'd say, I'd slave over that hot stove for you kids all day long. And I think she said that in part complaining, but in part proud, because we always ate up everything that she prepared. She cooked some pretty awesome meals. She did. I've always thought that my task as a pastor is to slave over a hot stove all day long. And that's what I do. I think that's what shepherds are called to do. We are called to love, to love completely, to lay down our life for the flock. Any pastor worth listening to is someone who has thought through the text of Scripture, pours through the words, the Greek and the Hebrew, and then presents them in a fashion where folks hear the word not just words. And then feeds the flock, feeds the food of love. Got to tell you, you do that, to do that takes time. It does take slaving over the hot stove, but, but it's worth it. And hopefully that food tastes great. Love tastes great. This is the reason Bible studies are so important to me personally, because it gives me a chance to spend an hour over a chunk of scriptures and plow deeply, diving into the language, the background, and the context, going word for word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, the language and the background and the context, going word by word, verse by word, chapter and chapter, book by book. I want you to be the best fed congregation in the denomination. That's my aim. And I think Jesus has that high on his priority list. Food is essential. And he offers us all a banquet of love. He offers you and I a banquet of love so that we might feast on it. And next week, next week we'll experience why Jesus shows us his love. Amen.
Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you, and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.